Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to New Books in Jewish Studies, a podcast channel of New Books Network. I'm your host, Schneer Zalman Newfield. In the early decades of the 20th century, tens of thousands of Yiddish-speaking immigrants actively participated in the American socialist and labor movement. They formed the milieu of the hugely successful daily Fawerts, the Forward, uh, established in New York in 1897. In Transatlantic Russian Jewishness, Ideological Voyages of the Yiddish Daily Foverts in the First Half of the 20th Century, published by Academic Studies Press in 2020, Gennady Estreich describes how the Foverts' editorial columns and bylined articles, many of whose authors, such as Abraham Kahn and Shalom Ash, were household names at the time, both reflected and shaped the attitudes and values of the readership. Estreich focuses on the newspaper's reaction to the political developments in the home country. Profound admiration of Russian literature and culture did not mitigate the writer's criticism of the Tsarist and Soviet regimes. Gennady Estreich is a clinical professor of Hebrew and Judaic studies at New York University. Previously, he was the managing editor of the Yiddish literary journal Sovietische Heimland, Soviet Homeland, from 1988 to 1991. He has written 15 co-edited scholarly volumes and several books in Yiddish. Gennady, we're so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, so I, I have to, before we, we begin, I, I have to say that um, uh, on a personal note, uh, this is a, a very exciting um, uh, interview today because Gennady was a mentor of mine in graduate school and uh, had a big impact on my own thinking and research. So I'm very excited to, to be here today with Gennady to talk about his new fascinating book. Um, so to begin, uh, please tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to this work. Actually, started uh, many years ago when I was still in Moscow. Essentially, if we build the whole uh, story, so uh, in Moscow I was, as was mentioned before, uh, I was uh, at a Yiddish journal published in Moscow, and uh, from Moscow I started. I was invited actually to start writing for the forwards for the New York uh, newspaper. As far as I remember, someone reminded. Uh, uh, recently, that uh, uh, my first article came out in November 1989, when I was still in Moscow. Later, I moved to Oxford, and I continued to write uh, for the forwards from Oxford. And for a while uh, in Oxford, there was even uh, what is called uh, the European Bureau of the Forwards, and I was at this European it was always a sideline. It was not. I was not really uh, a full-time journalist, but it was a, a sideline of my uh, otherwise academic uh, career. 
And you know, when you are an academic and you write for a newspaper, you're curious what kind of a newspaper it is. So I started reading about the newspaper. And uh, uh, especially when I moved finally to New York, uh, to uh, New York University, that has uh, almost a full collection of microfilms of the forwards. And nowadays, it started also a few years ago, uh, almost the entire run of the newspaper is available in internet. So of course, I spend an endless number of hours reading uh, the newspaper. And initially I didn't have even this idea of writing uh, a book. I was just curious. My curiosity uh, actually was reflected in some of my publications. For quite a few years, I wrote articles uh, for the forwards, actually, about the history of the forwards. And gradually, gradually I realized that I've accumulated uh, quite a significant uh, amount of stuff, or written or not written yet. And for a long time, I was thinking about the, the title. I had various titles from Love to Hatred was one of my titles. And actually, I've written the book, and then I shelved this project. And for a couple of years, it was shelved. I mean, that was somewhere in my computer because I moved to a, a different uh, project. But uh, two years later, I decided, no, it's not right. Returned to the project, completed the manuscript, and this is the story. Because I find, I believe that it's a forgotten story. It's a forgotten story of a newspaper that was extremely influential and uh, of an extremely important p person who edited this newspaper, Abraham, or how it was called, Abe Cahan, who also was a, a very influential person. And he's also forgotten. It's, uh, there's no landmark in New York uh, named after Abe Khan. There are landmarks after God knows what people. Yeah? There's even a landmark, actually, uh, named after Sholomash. There's an ash loop in uh, Bronx Co-op City, the first bus stop from Manhattan. There is also uh, a landmark uh, that uh, is named after the for many years, and the most prominent manager of the forwards, forwards Baruch Vladek. But there's not, nothing about uh, Abe Khan, unfortunately. So in any case, I decided, uh, and I'm still, even you know, quite often I know from my experience, you publish a book and you are fed up. You don't want to think about it. It's not enough. <laughs> You've invested so much time, so much en energy. En enough. Or as we say in, in English, Ginuk. Yeah? But... Uh, but uh, with this topic, I am still uh, interested, and I believe I just touched on on, on it. It is, you know, something that to be continued. Not, I'm not sure by me, but someone else. Right. Uh, so speaking of the Fauverts, um, and just to clarify for listeners, uh, we're going to refer to the newspaper as the Fauverts because that is the original name and the name 
of its Yiddish incarnation. Over, we'll get to it uh, later on. Uh, uh, later on in the history of the Favorites, they actually uh, developed English uh, section uh, of the the newspaper, and today the English section and the Yiddish section still uh, continue. But we're going to refer to it as the Favorites because we're speaking about the original Yiddish uh, uh, incarnation of the newspaper. Um, so, speaking about the Favorites, when was it founded, and just how large was its readership? So it was founded in April eighteen ninety seven. And initially, it was um, it wasn't successful. It was just struggling to survive. It was one of the socialist newspapers. It wasn't the only socialist newspaper. It was a reflection of a split in in the socialist movement in general and in in the Jewish segment of uh, the socialist movement in particular. And for a few years, it was uh, uh, somehow surviving, yet yeah, close to to, to, to disappear. To, to disappear, but uh, survived, and actually, it became uh, really a popular newspaper roughly after 1903, and this was the time when Abe Khan, who participated actually in in this effort to establish newspaper, but le- later he left, came back once again left, but in 1903 he became this editor. And remained uh, the editor in chief until 1951, when he died. So, so it, it was actually his lifetime, or the bulk of his uh, lifetime, he edited the newspaper, and it was the, uh, the most popular Jewish newspaper, I believe, in the entire history of the Jewish press, because in the 1920s, his daily uh, circulation was uh, a quarter of a million copies, and a Sunday issue sometimes would reach 350,000 copies. It was printed beginning from 1918 in two printing shops, one in New York and, and uh, another in Chicago, and each printing shop produced six versions of the newspaper for separate geographical locations. So it was separate for Boston, separate for Los Angeles. So it was the same newspaper, but but of course with uh, some sections. You know how, how New York Times you buy, not in New York, but in a different place. There is a, a section that that, that that reflects the place. And it employed, in the 1920s, the newspaper employed 2,000 people in various wow. uh, roles, in various capacities, and even in various countries because it, it had also uh, correspondence abroad and also readers abroad. So it was an empire. It was an empire. Wow. And before we move on to its cultural significance, I just want to clarify, when did the newspaper introduce English uh, into, into uh, the paper? With English is the, uh, the following story. In the 1920s, uh, the newspaper introduced uh, an English section in its Sunday issue. It wasn't, as a rule, it wasn't a translation of uh, Yiddish articles. It was a separate section, it had a separate editor and a separate topic. It it mainly addressed issues for young people. I even remember some funny articles uh, 
to kiss or not to kiss your date on on, on your first date, yeah, or something <laughs> like 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 this. Some moralizing and letters by by younger uh, readers. It didn't survive for a lot for uh, a few years. They kept this English department. Then it disappeared. Then it reappeared after the Second World War. And in 1990, uh, and I happened to be around. This was my first. Uh, trip across the ocean in May 1990. I was invited as a guest to a convention in New York, or to be precise, in the Catskills, where it was discussed uh, to open or not to open an English version of the newspaper. And the idea uh, that was advanced at that time was, let's open an English uh, version, and and the English version would become uh, the cow that the Yiddish uh, newspaper would milk later. So the, it was somehow obvious if we start uh, a newspaper in English, there are so m- many Jews, you know, millions of Jews. Of course, we'll have it uh, very profitable and we'll end up uh, sponsoring the Yiddish newspaper. And of course, there was also an idea because the newspaper from the very beginning was a socialist newspaper. By 1990, it was a very strange socialism. It was more what nowadays maybe it is called liberal or, or, or whatever. But it was the, though it was still written on, on the first page, proletarians of all countries unite, whatever. But it was more uh, the traditional one. It wasn't really a socialist And but the idea was to carry the or, or to uh, to to send the message to be also influential ideologically sense, also in, in English. Yeah. The irony is that the English newspaper never became profitable. Never. <laughs> and actually it consumed, I believe that it was a huge managerial uh, or whatever mistake. And uh, and as a result from 1990, I believe, or very soon after that, uh, a new newspaper that actually there were two separate newspapers in the same building here, whatever, but two separate teams, two separate newspapers, sometimes translating from, from one in, in, into another. But uh, otherwise, uh, they're separate and, of course, as a rule, uh, a different uh, reading audience. Yes. I see. And and today, and uh, again, um, uh, uh, to, to this day, there's still English and a Yiddish um, section of the, the forwards or the forward. Unfortunately, un- unfortunately, it's two ramps because uh, because uh, as I mentioned before, uh, this newspaper there is a separate book published, a very interesting academic research of the managerial side of the folks. This whole exercise because this was a very a successful also financial operation with so many readers. Of course, that they also generated a lot of money. And they invested it in, in the building. In, in the, they owned actually the most significant radio station in New York. For, I, I still remember. But in any case, uh, virtually the entire this uh, uh, heritage or whatever uh, was financial uh, empire was consumed by the project, by the English language project. Of course, the Yiddish was also not profitable. For a while, for 10 years, they launched also a Russian news 
paper for whatever reasons. It was, of course, was also uh, not, not profitable. So as a result, uh, nowadays is a, a small size uh, operation, a few people uh, producing the English version on in, in internet and a couple of people producing the the Yiddish version. Yeah. So it is somehow a very small operation, though historically it was huge. Right. So to go back to some of that history, how significant uh, at the time, in the early uh, um, days of the of the forwards, was the newspapers uh, in terms of its cultural, um, the cultural life of its readers? It's very important because it, 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 it also has to do with a very important peculiarity of the East European immigration, Jewish immigration, to the United States. Because the United States, of course, had and has immigrants from, from uh, the entire world. But the Jewish immigration of that time was a very peculiar phenomenon. Because in addition to, or among the hundreds of thousands of uh, Yiddish-speaking uh, immigrants, there was also quite a significant, because uh, they were a small minority, but still a significant minority, of people of intellectuals, of intellectuals who came to the United States for various reasons. Sometimes they came because, you know, as together with, with other people looking for better life, many of them came as uh, political immigrants. And uh, as a result, uh, the East European Jewish immigration settled in the United States together with intellectual, political, whatever, leaders who organized many things, who organized trade unions, who organized afternoon and not afternoon schools. There were also religious leaders, of course, who organized uh, the, the landscape, the religious landscape, and so on. So the newspaper, the forwards, was actually one of the uh, parts of, of, of this remarkable phenomenon that a group of intellectuals, many of them uh, educated in the Russian school system, some of them with uh, degrees from Russian, German, Austrian, French universities, some with a prefix doctor, doctor, such and, and such. And they came and they established uh, this newspaper and uh, the agenda was a mixed one. The agenda was partly uh, socialism in their understanding of socialism, and their understanding was it, it was was uh, uh, Mr. Chaimovich had one understanding, and Mr. Rabinovich had a different understanding of, of uh, Marxism and a different even attitude to Karl Marx. Yeah, to, uh, then, uh, in addition, they of course it was important for them, and this was. They started in the 19th century, by 19th century in, in Russia, to bring education to the masses. And uh, this is uh, remarkable how people who were employed in very basic uh, jobs, somewhere the Second Avenue, in, in, in what was called in it is the Schmatter industry or what clothing industry, garment industry, how they would read this tough and the newspaper combined uh, really some basic information, some uh, uh, a lot of low-brow material, but also some high-brow material uh, as well. 
on not necessarily on socialism, just on culture. They published also literary stuff. They published, you know, of course, if you have a Jewish newspaper, you also uh, have a doctor who writes so that, you know, if you if you feel something that is not right, <laughs> then you do this or you, you do that. A cooking, how to to be dressed, you know, that these pieces of advice, anything. They they launched this remarkable uh, section that was called Bintelbrief, a bunch of letters that many readers who became secular or half secular, quarter secular, would go for uh, getting a, an advice not to a, a rabbi, but they would write a letter so that, look, I have this problem, I have that problem with my wife, with my husband, with my foreman, but whatever. And and they would give a piece of advice. I I, I wrote an article, for, for example, in the, 19, uh, uh, in the early 1940s, some old socialists suddenly realized, I wrote this article. We wrote together with you, Zalman, this article. Yes, suddenly, I, I, I thought yes, you no, might be no, talking about this. Yeah, I remember, yes. So yeah. uh, this was how they, uh, somehow the old uh, seasoned socialists realized that, not realized that they received invitations to their uh, grandson's bar mitzvah, to go or not to go to bar mitzvah, what to do. And so it was a whole, a, a, a whole, uh, a story uh, that, that they discussed in, in letters, in, in articles, and this was endless. Yeah, they, they, they could, for example, it was uh, uh, a new constitution in the Soviet Union. You know, can you imagine 1936, a new text of it. The newspaper published the entire text of this constitution in Yiddish and opened a discussion. Is it good? Is it bad? You know, for, for a couple of months, you know, uh, uh, readers and, and uh, writers discussed this issue yeah and it was 50 50 some of them say oh it's wonderful some <laughs> so it was it was a really very interesting uh, corpus of material and i believe that it is it is also uh, underused underused uh, by historians and it is not not only for historian research historical research it's for a variety of reasons Right. And I just uh, briefly, you mentioned about the Bintel brief, about the sort of like letters to the editor and the article that we wrote together. I remember when we were working on the uh, on the article, I remember that you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, sometimes when... Um, when uh, letters appeared in the magazine with you know particular people's names, it turned out uh, subsequently that the letters were actually written by the editors of the magazine of the of the newspaper that they they wrote their own letters in order to address particular issues that they felt were important. It's this such a, a story. It it there is no proof. There is such a story <laughs> okay. that sometimes because. Uh, in in this Bintel brief, in in this bunch of letters section, there were no uh, real names, no, there were no real uh, uh, signatures because it was very. Sometimes the topics were very sensitive. You know, my wife is in in love with someone else. Yeah, it's it's not a, a topic that you want uh, to be to to share with a quarter of a million people. <laughs> sure. So, 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 uh, such uh, letters would be uh, uh, printed uh, with this, you know, it's uh, a, a young woman, a signature, or simply an aleph, or, or some, something else. But, but, but there was also another section in the newspaper. 
in which uh, uh, the real names would be mentioned. And sometimes even have a surprise with the full address. So come <laughs> and knock in my door. So, so, so in, in, in any case, there were two sections, one of them. And the, the, I, I believe that sometimes they would maybe invent, and some other people argue that they would in, in, invent such uh, letters in, in order to uh, touch on um, an interesting topic. Because I know even from my experience at the Moscow Journal, there was a moment when my editor, I was managing editor, but the editor-in-chief uh, said, okay, let's publish this stuff. I don't remember what. But why suddenly we would publish it? Okay, le let's invent a letter. <laughs> and they created a letter and invented a surname and from, from such and such place. And, is, and uh, uh, this material was published as, ostensibly as a response to, to this reader's uh, interest. So I believe that it's quite a, a common uh, trick, yes. Uh, I don't know how, how innocent it is, but in any case. This is I, I see. All right, all right. Um, well, to, to go back to Abram Khan, you, you mentioned about Abram Khan. Could you tell us a little bit about who he was and, and what exactly was his vision for the Foverts? Abram Khan is a Litwak, yeah? so a Lithuanian Jew. And somehow he... He's, I'm myself a Lithuanian Jew, so I can, I can be yeah, uh, 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 somehow not afraid to use stereotypes. Yeah. But uh, he was, uh, to a significant degree, he was uh, somehow a fitting image of, of a, a stereotypical Lithuanian Jew. He was extremely stubborn. But there was also another side of Lithuanian Jews that on the average, they uh, were quite often better educated. It's historically happened. And he was really uh, quite a well-educated person. He uh, graduated in Vilna from uh, a teacher's training, Jewish teacher's training seminary. So he was trained as a teacher for Jewish schools in Russian. So this was, so his Russian was just excellent. And at the same time, uh, 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 during the time when he was a student at this seminary, he became interested in uh, some radical ideas and he joined some circles, radical circles. And, and when he uh, just started uh, being a teacher somewhere uh, in a different place, not in, in Vilna, uh, his mother actually sent him a letter that, uh, you know, his circle of, of friends yeah, uh, were... Uh, you know, somehow observed carefully. And then one person was even arrested, I believe, for these radical uh, uh, activities. And he decided to emigrate. At least the story goes like this. And in, in 1882, he uh, uh, arrived in New York. He was 22 at that time. He didn't know any English. So he started dealing with English when there was a stop he changed the, uh, on his way to, to New York. He bought a textbook in England and he started reading this textbook. And in a few years' time, uh, some years' time, he emerged uh, as an uh, English language journalist. And actually, he even wrote uh, 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 some fiction in English. Yeah? And so apparently, he was uh, uh, very gifted uh, linguistically. In uh, New York, 
he joined socialist circles. He was, at least uh, the story goes like this, that he was the first person to deliver a propaganda speech in Yiddish. Yes, because previously it was considered that Yiddish wasn't good enough, wasn't uh, equipped enough to do such things, and such propaganda gatherings would be in German, in Russian, in, in other proper languages, yes. But he did it in, in, in Yiddish. His attitude to Yiddish was quite ambivalent. He argued that he was in love with Yiddish, but at the same time, he believed, uh, and, and he didn't make a secret of this, that Yiddish uh, was supposed to die. And, and he believed that his readership was uh, right, and somehow he was even pushing his readership to learn properly English and to integrate into a, a American society. So uh, he never mentioned anything about assimilation. So he, uh, he believed that Jews were supposed to remain Jewish. But at the same time, that culturally, linguistically, they had to integrate properly into American society, being fluent in uh, English, speaking English not only fluently, but also without any accent, yes. And, and uh, but being Jewish and being also progressive. At the same time, he preached tolerance and respect to religious people. So, no extremes. He also was not extreme in his socialism. He didn't believe in revolutions. He believed that it was gradually, according to Karl Marx, yeah, that when society is ready and ripe to move to socialism, okay, we'll move to socialism. And, and uh, in, in his later years, by the end of his life, his formula of socialism, he argued, was... Uh, that uh, we have to follow the example of the British Labour Party. This was his socialism, Labour. So par parliamentarian, parliamentary socialism. Yeah. Ah, and and how? Speaking of socialism, so uh, obviously the the Favorites was a, a, a um, ostensibly a socialist uh, newspaper. Uh, how socialist was the the newspaper in general? The newspaper was so socialist. And it had a, a various readers. There were readers, of course, uh, who were more socialist, I mean, more uh, revolutionary socialist, less revolutionary uh, socialist, more conservative uh, socialist. His formula was, and ironically, it, 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 we have a recent reminder of this, democratic socialism. He, he couldn't imagine, and time and again he repeated this, he couldn't imagine socialism without democracy. To him, it wasn't socialism. And actually, uh, uh, there were uh, a few splits in the American socialist uh, movement, and there were also splits in the circle of the writers and the readers of the forwards when people who were more ra radical would move out. Some of them moved out. Uh, there was a very significant split in September 1921 when a group of contributors and uh, writers as well uh, and readers as well, they moved to communism. And, and uh, uh, those who left established a, a different newspaper that was called Freiheit, Freedom, and later Morgan Freiheit. And uh, so the, uh, the editor, for many years, the editor, the, even the legendary editor of the communist newspaper, Moshe Olgin, 
was till 1921 one of the leading journalists uh, writing for, for the forwards. Yes. So th- there were some yeah, developments here. And and you mentioned that that the forwards, uh, Abe Khan, uh, uh, thought of the forwards as a, a um, you know a organ to promote uh, some kind of progressive politics. Uh, what did it mean for for Khan and for the forwards, uh, progressive politics? What 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 did it mean to be a progressive? Progressive. The forwards was uh, linked with uh, the trade union movement. So to them, it was even the newspaper, many, for decades, it had even a position uh, of a person, uh, the position was called the labor editor. And the labor editor followed it, and actually it was the interface between the newspaper and and uh, the trade unions, especially trade unions in the government industry, because it was very Jewish. So... Uh, the idea was essentially to build elements of socialism in capitalist society. This was a, more or less this progressive idea. For example, okay, uh, the capitalist society has banks. Okay, but let's build a socialist bank. And they built a socialist bank. And it still exists. I'm not sure that it's a socialist, but amalgamated <laughs> bank. Yeah? I still remember it's building in... Union Square. Now, now they moved somewhere. So there's now a, a condominium in, 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 in place of this building. Yeah. But it was amalgamated. And I believe that the forwards and some other organizations of this kind, their accounts are still in the amalgamated bank business. Or, of course, these trade unions. Very important were the links uh, with the workmen Circle or uh, Albert Ring. It was an organization, and it's still an organization, but now, of course, it, it, it has a different formula of existence. But originally, it was established in 1900 as an organization for mutual help, and it had 80,000 members. And 80,000 members, it, it was actually families, 80,000, quite often 80,000 families. So it was a huge organization with, with camps, with uh, uh, educational system, they had uh, lectures, and beginning from the 1920s, they had afternoon schools in Yiddish. And later, of course, Yiddish was uh, disappearing and more transforming into classes for bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah, yeah, but it, 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 it became later. Yeah. So it, it was education. Let's give them education. Let's give them a profession. And actually, the message was find a place in American society. Find and create a, a place in in American uh, society, especially as for the generation of Ape Khan plus minus, uh, they somehow believed that uh, religion was dying away. But the same Ape Khan in the early 1930s formulated his understanding of Jewishness. And his Jewishness was that is a person who born, uh, who's born to Jewish parents, uh, and uh, almost period, uh, religious or not religious, but if this person, if it's secular, it's fine, of course, but if this person converts to Christianity, forget it. He's not really. <laughs> I... Ironically, that he formulated more or less what is written, was written later 
in uh, in the Israeli legislation, yeah, about the, the definition of Jewishness. So it was uh, somehow secular, but uh, with with of course uh, uh, some respect, respect, but respect of what kind? Respect that this is dying. So let's respect it. It's, it's the uh, lifestyle of our parents. It's, it's not our lifestyle. It's of our parents and people who are not uh, progressive enough. <laughs> so, it, just in terms of the respect for 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 the Judaism, the Jewish religion, um, is this uh, you know, connected to that idea that it's dying, but we should give it a respectful funeral, like we should give it a proper send off? Yes, there was also, this was the message, there was a lot of irony in general with all this. For example, uh, all of them were secular, uh, but at the same time, of course, they grew up in a, a traditional environment. Yes, and then, So they knew how to do it. And if you remember, even with this bar mitzvah, uh, the, the, this older generation socialists, uh, didn't like the idea of bar mitzvah, but they also didn't like how they did bar mitzvah. That I know how a, a, proper, a proper bar mitzvah has to be done. Yeah? And then one of the letters was even that he couldn't uh, help himself. He went to show them how to do it properly. You know, this, he socialist <laughs> to show them how to do properly. So, for example, they hated, yes, it would be right to call it hated, the reform, the reformist. It was to them, it was something you, you could read in uh, the forwards, some material uh, like anecdotes. What is a proper uh, reform Jew? On Yan Kippur, in the morning, he has a good breakfast. Then he goes to the synagogue. Then he goes for a lunch break. So this kind of an attitude that either you follow or, or, or not follow, but God forbid not not being uh, the reform. Yes, so this is they were ironically that they were they were also conservative. This is an interesting progressive, but at the same time conservative. No, it is hardly su surprising for Jews because a, a Jewish person can be very left wing in American politics, but quite right wing when it comes to Israeli politics. For example, yes, such a split is quite common. Uh, in, 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 in our in our in, in Jewish heads, yeah. So it, we find uh, various splits also in uh, in the circle of the forwards. Right, right. and um, so uh, uh, speaking of all of the different um, voices within the the forward, um, you uh, you talk about in the book about how there were many. Uh, significant uh, writers, significant journalists um, uh, who contributed to the forward. Could you tell us about some of them? Who were they and what were their you know, distinct contributions to the forward? But, uh, the best known uh, name, of course, is the name of Sholomash. Sholomash was a very popular writer in, in, in Yiddish, in, in English. He had also a remarkable feature of being in uh, in the center of a scandal. Yeah. Somehow, a scandal after a scandal would come with him or would be created by him. I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure not on 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 the purpose, but in any case, uh, this is his <laughs> life. Yeah. 
and he was uh, uh, the most significant figure. It is generational. You know, it, it is a generational that uh, for uh, some period of time, there was a generation uh, that uh, read Sholem Ash. And then he, he became almost forgotten. You know, I, I know from my students that I, uh, somehow uh, Sholem Ash is part of my uh, preaching, yes, in, in, in class. And, and they never heard about the Sholem Ash. And then I remember one came back. At, you know, I went to visit my grandmother in Florida and suddenly realized she has a whole bookshelf, <laughs> Sholem Ash, his novels. Yeah. And, and then it disappeared. Then he was replaced, essentially, by another writer, also uh, very popular. It's Isaac Bashevis Singer, who, who also, he, he came to uh, the United States uh, and, and, and he came because he was uh, uh, summoned, yeah, or, or in any case, he, uh, the help came, uh, the legal help came from the forwards where uh, his brother, who is even more forgotten, unfortunately, uh, Israel Joshua Singer, was already uh, one of the central figures in, in its military uh, sections. So he, he came until the end of his life, he wrote for, for the forwards. So it's, it is another prominent figure. I can give more names, but, uh, and uh, I have uh, some, you know, after reading and reading uh, the newspaper, uh, uh, suddenly you realize that you like this journalist, you like that journalist. Yeah. They were excellent, absolutely excellent journalists. There was Benson Hoffman who would sign his uh, articles. Tzivion, uh, uh, the name Tzivion, was an excellent journalist. Uh, an excellent journalist was also the person who moved later to uh, the communist newspaper, Moshe Olgin. And yes, it is many, but uh, the two stars are, are certainly Sholamash and uh, uh, Isaac Bashevis Singer. Right. And I'm curious, did, how did uh, Abe Khan manage uh, these illustrious um, uh, journalists? Did they, did they get along? Did they, uh, you know, did, were, was one of the reasons why some people ended up leaving the favorites and starting uh, or working for other publications because of personality uh, conflicts or really uh, ideological conflicts? There were ideological conflicts, but but mainly personal. There were personal conflicts. He was a difficult customer, very difficult customer, Abraham. He had his understanding uh, of actually anything. I know that, for example, uh, uh, with his wife, they had different uh, opinions about Russian literature. I don't remember who of them was in love with Chekhov and another one hated Chekhov. You know, this was, in the, they argued, well, what is good, well, what is bad. Yeah. Uh, and the same with literature. He was a, a writer who uh, believed that uh, either it has to be uh, realistic literature or it's a pointless literature. So uh, as, as, as a result, anything that had a smell of uh, avant-garde or whatever, he couldn't stand it. Yeah. So um, in addition, there, there was also personality issues. For example, with uh, Sholomash, certainly it was a combination of ideological and personality. Sholomash, 
left or was forced to leave the forwards after writing his so so-called Christian novels, the first novel, the Nazarene, and it created a scandal. It was interpreted as an attempt to baptize the Jews. Of course, uh, Solomon wasn't thinking about it, but it was the wrong time and the wrong topic. And it was also the beginning, or more than the beginning of the, the transition. It is a separate topic, the attitude of, of the forwards to religion the attitude to, of the forwards to traditional Jew, uh, Jewishness. And actually, well, first of all, Abe Khan became older, and we know that older people are more conservative and, and come some, sometimes to their roots. And the whole situation, the, the beginning of the Second World War, and uh, many things came, came together, and somehow suddenly to write uh, uh, a novel in Yiddish about Jesus Christ. Somehow it, it, they interpreted <laughs> it as, as a bit uh, strange. Yes, and, uh, and to, for to write a couple three of, of them, yeah. to write three. Sorry. What about Jesus? What about Mary? What about, well, what Paul? about Mary? Yes, and, and Paul. Uh, yes, well, he continued because he was he wasn't a literate, but he was also stubborn. Yes, he continued <laughs> this. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, and actually the novels were popular. Interestingly that by the end of his life, he wrote a novel, uh, Moshe, Moses. Absolutely horrible. But clearly, when you read it, I couldn't finish reading it, actually. I started, it, it is so hilarious, yeah. I mean, in terms of, of the quality. So he actually, it was clear to me, at least it is clear, that he wanted to make a point. Yes, I am Jewish. I am Jewish, for God's sake. I Look, I am writing about, uh, about uh, <laughs> uh, Moses. He also wrote an excellent novel uh, after the Second World War, East River. East River was really a, a bestseller, New York Times bestseller for quite a long time. And he was even paid uh, a, a lot of money because there was a project of producing a film. But unfortunately, at that time, in desperation of, of losing his links with the forwards, Abe uh, Sholomash uh, published his stuff in the communist newspaper. Though he wasn't a communist, but he published there. And uh, it was once again not the right time. He, he was uh, summoned to this committee of un-American un un activity. Sure. From what I understand, uh, people who were behind the project of creating a film decided uh, that he was toxic. And uh, so the expenses were written, oh, unfortunately, because this, the novel is still very readable and, uh, and interesting. So this is what, what happened. Wow. So speaking of, of, of the politics of um, the Favorts, uh, what was its attitude towards the Zionist movement? How did that figure into um, the, the kind of worldview of the, the publication? Initially, it was extremely negative. And in general, the socialist movement, even the entire socialist, Jewish socialist movement in the United States was divided. I mentioned this uh, workman circle, but a Zionist couldn't become a member, a, a labor Zionist, a socialist Zionist couldn't become a member of uh, uh, the workman circle. They, they had to create a separate, a, a similar organization. Yeah? So it, it was divided, divided, divided. Uh, the change came in the mid-1920s, uh, uh, and especially uh, even more strongly in 1929. 
Abe Khan went twice to Palestine and he found it emotional. Yes. Someone afterwards explained that in, in each person, socialist or not socialist, who uh, grew up in uh, a traditional Jewish family, uh, there were two uh, visions of, uh, of the place. One place was the, the place of the Zionist project, Palestine. And another pl place was Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. That they remembered it, it everything from, from, from their Haida, from their religious school, whatever. So he became emotional with this uh, land of Israel, with, with, with his uh, Jewish roots. He describes his, uh, how emotional he was at, at the Western Wall and how, anyway, all this stuff. But he became also milder to uh, the Zionist project, especially to the labor Zionist project. So he believed still that it was a marginal project. It couldn't solve the entire Jewish problem, but still people were doing heroic people. And, and uh, there was a scandal because I, I mentioned before there were socialists and socialists and socialists. And so there was a whole range of various socialist uh, uh, groups uh, among the readers and not only readers. And uh, some of them disliked uh, the, 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 the change, this uh, warming to... To Zionism, yeah, there's a separate book about it, published as a compilation and translated in, into English yeah, uh, articles of this. Yeah, uh, and but gradually, gradually, and especially after the Second World War, the, it became a pro-Israeli uh, news, uh, newspaper. There were even in the 1950s, I, I believe, there were some rallies of Satma Hasidim around uh, the editorial office, you know, condemning. <laughs> The forwards for for its stand on some issues in in Israel. Yeah. So uh, ultra, becoming to Zionist. Yeah. These ultra orthodox Jews felt that the that the the forwards was too Zionist for their their taste. Yeah. 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 So 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 it it, it is a a separate story. The attitude to to Zionism was uh, really it was a progression. It was a progression from from absolute rejection to some uh, tolerance, praising not the ideology, but the heroic uh, attitude, the effort, and so on. And then gradually, gradually, of course, and especially after the Holocaust and the establishment of Israel, this became yeah, different. Much more accepting. Even even more than much more accepting, quite, quite often. Yeah. Still criticizing something, yes. But, uh, but otherwise, for, for example, of course, the attitude to Yiddish. This re re remained, of course, a sticking point here. How we eat this, what we eat this, and, 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 and so on. Yeah, by the way, speaking about prominent <laughs> contributors, I suddenly realized Elie Wiesel for a while was a journalist on, on the forums. Yeah. Signing his, really? his uh, I saw him, yeah, yeah. He, he signed it, uh, 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 Elie Wiesel. Yeah, as Elie Wiesel, he wrote for, for some time. Uh -huh. Was that before he became prominent as a novelist, or, or yes, or, much. It was. It was in the nineteen fifties. In the nineteen fifties, yeah, uh, in, in newspaper there were yeah, his articles. Yeah. No, Yiddish was his his I, I, yeah, I, I remember his Yiddish. Yes. 
I I see. Um, speaking of uh, of shifts in attitude, you mentioned um, a little bit about the attitude of the Fovarts to to uh, religion, to 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 Judaism, and um, could you describe the the new attitude towards religion that the the newspaper um, began in the 1940s, and and how how significant was that? It was significant, and it was hugely disappointing to many uh, old readers. There was even a, a discussion, and there were letters from. Uh, Readers, because sometimes they were readers for decades, you know, from the time when they landed in 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 America and opened the first issue until the end of their life. Yes, and some remember. And uh, so they uh, there were such letters that look, I don't recognize uh, the newspaper. That if previously, okay, respect is respect, yeah? but now it is becoming more and more a newspaper for uh, religious people rather than for us. Give, uh, leave some place for respect for us. Yes. And, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and also, what is also important, they even employed, beginning from, 19, from the late 1940s, they employed a rabbi. Who sent, and, and this rabbi, I, what is, was his name? Uh, Shurin, Shurin. He... Uh, uh, wrote for the forwards for, for 60 years, actually. Yeah. So uh, on, on religious issues, but he was a rabbi with a university education, so it was of this guy. So, but, but in any case, uh, it, was, uh, it became a permanent feature in, in the newspaper, uh, religion-related articles. There was also uh, a thing that one of the most uh, significant uh, uh, writers, forwards writers, uh, for forward journalists. His name was Chaim Lieberman. He became religious, increasingly religious. So he started as a labor Zionist. He was one of the uh, organizers of the first Yiddish language schools uh, in the United States in 1910. So he was organized. Because the, the first Yiddish schools were organized, ironically, in the United States by labor Zionists. Yes, and, and, and they organized. Uh, and, and he was one of them. But gradually, gradually, from what I read in in some sources, he had a tragedy in his family. Something with his son, I don't remember. And I'm not sure that it was written even what uh, specifically happened. But this pushed him to a religion. And he became very conservative, increasingly religion. He was actually the main person who attacked Sholomash. There's a book, there's <laughs> even a book. Uh, there's a book uh, in Yiddish, and then uh, uh, I bought it once in a second-hand uh, uh, store in English here, very aggressively. You know, this is really condemning, not even criticizing, but condemning Sholomash here for, for betraying here, for whatever, bet betrayal of Jewish interest and so on. And, and, uh, and he be uh, began to play an important role and he wrote on religious issues, but but not only him. Actually, there was a a, a transition in general, and the, the transition reflected also the transition in the American uh, society, Jewish society. You know, uh, with this moving out from say Low East Side to some other places where they lived mixed with with non-Jews. If in Low East Side, 
you're Jewish, whatever you do, you are Jewish, yes? Then in, in some other places, it became clear that it was important to manifest Jewishness. It, it is when the Jew Jewish community centers emerged, yes, and, and various things emerged that now it's mainstream, but at that time they were new. And the forwards, the forwards actually played uh, two roles. One role is pushing or trying to push uh, uh, American Jews into some direction or some directions, but at the same time reflecting the changes uh, that uh, uh, took place in society. So you can see both sides. And, and of course, also tuning the editorial uh, policy to, to what, what uh, the market, has, sorry, what, what the readership expected to find in, in, in the newspaper. So this change uh, in the attitude to religion, it was from both sides. The transition in 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 the ranks of of the contributors and uh, and sometimes surprising there are articles very interesting articles by Bashevi Zinger on this that he he wrote that I see developments that I don't remember even in in Poland and mind you he was a, a son of a rabbi yes but but he, you know, I don't remember seeing such young people in in Poland that uh, that he encountered in the United States. It is also, I'll give just one example. That were so in religious. 19, that in, in America, he, 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 uh, uh, one example, just one. In March 1940, I don't remember exactly the, the, the day, but in March 1940, two people arrived and, and they were passengers of the same ship. It was uh, the Lubavitch Rebbe and Max Weinweich, the uh, founder, founding director of the uh, Jewish Institute yeah, that is now on the 16th Street, but of course at, at that time, uh, originally it was in Vilna. Uh, and in addition, he was uh, a, a regular contributor to the forwards, yeah, beginning from 1921, if I'm not wrong. So it was he was a forwards person. So he opened this issue... Of well, uh, of the day or maybe next day after their arrival, and you find the front page a photo of the Lubavitch Rebbe and a detailed article how he was welcomed, and Max Weinach somewhere somewhere in, in the newspaper <laughs> secondary. I even uh, compared. You know, it is always an interesting issue. Uh, how a newspaper or whatever, any outlet or a person uh, estimates how many people came to a rally. Or in Jewish case, quite often, how many people came to a funeral. Yeah, there's always 100,000 people came to Sholem Aleichem's funeral. Who counted them, for God's sake? <laughs> how it was. So because one, and, and with this 100,000, it was all, then another one, once again, 100,000. And I realized after a while, this, this 100, it's not 100,000. It means a lot, plenty. Basically. But sometimes it, it is specific. And I compared uh, the estimates given to the number of people who, who came to welcome the Lubavitch Rebbe in New York Times, in various newspapers. The highest <laughs> estimate was in the forwards, you know? So so this was... And, and then there was a, a very interesting article how a journalist went to Lubavitch Rebbe and spoke to him five minutes 
but it was a long article about uh, beautiful eyes and wisdom and so on. And, and, and all this, you know. So there were many reflections uh, uh, of, uh, of this changing attitude to, to religion or, or broader to uh, tradition. Tradition. Right, right. Uh, we're we're going to have to uh, end very soon, but before we let you go, I always ask um, guests to tell us a little bit about an, uh, if they have a new project that they're working on uh, that they could uh, share with us. I just finished the book and I'm waiting. I know that uh, I can get it uh, any day uh, uh, from uh, uh, peer reviewer. Uh, it's a book on Soviet Jewish life uh, during the years between 1953 and 1967. So it is the period of time uh, bookended from one side. It, it is uh, Stalin's death. On the other side, it's uh, 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 the war in the Middle East. Yes, so this uh, June 1967, or as it is known, the Six Day War. So th this is what. But I might, uh, for some reason, uh, in general, someone told me recently uh, that, you know, the Soviet history and Soviet Jewish history is like the universe. Only, you know, something has been written about this or known about this. Still, but, uh, but this period of time is uh, more or less empty, yes, in, in the research because Stalin already died and, and the war didn't happen, so the immigration didn't happen. So this is, and, and I found it very in, interesting. This is my project. Well, that does sound really exciting. I look forward to reading that. Uh, for now, thank you so much, Gennady, for taking the time pleasure. to share your thoughts with us today. Pleasure, pleasure. So uh, that concludes our program. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Thank you.